many of you, your neighbor was really singing that song good? Might you heard it in the... Well, if you would, open your Bibles. I'm going to be in Isaiah 9-6. Isaiah 9-6. We've been looking at this uh, all the month of December. In fact, let me start with it before I move on at all. Isaiah 9-6. Now remember, 700 years before Jesus came... The prophet Isaiah said these words, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In fact, let's read the end of that all together when it says, as his name. Ready? And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So today I want to talk about that last part of that name, the Prince of Peace. You know, Michelle and I were married in August of 1993, and at our first Christmas Eve together, we were at her grandma's house. And it was probably a good thing that we were at her grandma's house that particular night because as dinner ended, and it was the driest turkey that you'd ever tasted in your entire life. I don't know if she had that thing baking for a couple days, but I mean, gravy and cranberry sauce and ice cream couldn't help that thing out at all. It was so dry. I remember I was going to the restroom and I went by and, and her, her grandma was a 100% Italian lady, very short. I don't even know if she weighed 100 pounds. She must have peeled the skin off of the turkey and had it hidden because I remember going by and going to the restroom and I looked in the kitchen and she had what looked like the longest piece of skin and she was, you know, starting to eat it. Well, I went to the restroom and I came back by and grandma's nearly on the floor choking. And I remember looking at her face and I thought, okay, done the Heimlich one time, uh, but maybe let's see, it, let's see if I can clear it out of her throat. So I grabbed grandma and, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I don't see anything in her mouth and, you know, she's not turning like blue yet. And so I'm like, all right, let's do the Heimlich on her. Well, she's a little tiny lady. And so I got behind her and I tugged a little bit and nothing came out. And then I yelled, somebody call 911, right? And I'm tugging on her and I thought, you know what, I got to let grandma have it and I just squeezed as hard as I could. She folded in half in my arms, and out came this big old skin of the turkey came flying out, and she started to breathe. Well, not too many minutes later, the, you know, the fire department, police department, ambulance all show up, and um, the paramedic told her that I saved her life. So here's our, you wanna make an impression on Christmas Eve? You saved grandma's life right, from choking on the turkey. Uh, but many times my mother-in-law said, I wish you would have just let her choke. <laughs> She's not here today, and neither is Michelle, and I can say those, uh, those things. She ended up with a uh, strain in her neck muscles, and I don't know how she got three cracked ribs. You know, we could never <laughs> figure out what happened to her. But there ended up being peace that night, right? Because grandma was okay. When Isaiah says, a child is born, many of your Bible translations translate it correctly as 
capital C, child. Something different. It's not just any child. It's a child. And a child that has multiple names. And we went through this the last few weeks. Wonderful counselor, that name to us would mean that Jesus will be a supernatural source of wisdom when we call out to him, our counselor. Mighty God lets us know that Jesus will be divinely strong and powerful on our behalf. Everlasting Father says that Jesus will care for his people forever and ever, just as a father would care for his children. Now, the Prince of Peace, which I want to look at today, the Prince of Peace says that Jesus will bring a peace to all that ask or maybe need peace or want to live by peace. He is the Prince of Peace. I want to look at that a little bit today. This morning, as Michelle was not feeling good, and I heard some noise down the stairs, and it was 3.53 a.m., and there was a rustling that was taking place. And it was the Christmas gift from last year, which was the puppy to our kids, that was in the Christmas tree. And our Christmas tree, my wife has decorated it with keepsakes of the kids. The first little manger that, you know, they made. Uh, one of the slippers, an Elmo slipper that Madison had when she was a little child. And one of the uh, Spider-Man slippers that Maverick had. Well, this morning, Mia was peeking out. By the time I went down, it was a little after four in the morning, peeking out of the Christmas tree. All, you know, in ours is flocked. She's all got white all over her with Elmo in her mouth. And I'm just waiting. The last thing Michelle needs, you know, especially to steal her piece this morning, is that tree to go down and to know that that dog is chewing on one of the kids' keepsakes. Because that dog's not going to make it through the night or through the day as that. Well, thank God I got the dog out. Well, the dog must have eaten some of, this is all going on this morning, right? The dog must have eaten some of the flocking. And so she's throwing up in our room. And dogs don't do it quietly, right? It's not like, excuse me, they make these noises. And I thought for sure she would have, well, I'm cleaning up spots here and spots there. So that when she got up today, right, that she didn't find Elmo apart and vomit all over our room. That wouldn't have been a good day to start. That would have stolen her peace today. Let me ask you, what in your life do you need for Jesus to bring peace? What do you need in your life for Jesus to bring peace? He's brought peace. His name is the Prince of Peace. In fact, and I love word descriptions. I love when I read through Hebrew and Greek. It, it's kind of like this. Have you ever sung a worship song in Spanish? And you don't have any idea what they're saying, but it sounds so beautiful. There's something in the language that you don't know what it's saying, but something moves you to a little bit. Well, when certain words... When you read into the Old Testament, which was done in Hebrew, or the New Testament Greek, you read these words, and it gives you a picture. And so just the word prince of peace, the word prince, is a Hebrew word. In fact, it's an odd word, sar. But here's what it means. Ruler of rulers. Chief. 
Lord, General, the one in charge, a leader, a commander of soldiers, prince. And I love that one, ruler of rulers. The word peace we read in the Hebrew, it means, and many of us have heard this word before, shalom, right? Look at your neighbor and say shalom, right? It's the word peace. It means this, peace, quiet, safety, completeness, wholeness, peace with God and peace with men. So when I added a couple of these, I thought, you know what Jesus brings? He is the ruler that brings wholeness. He's letting us know that he is bringing wholeness, bringing peace. He is the Lord of peace. Now, I haven't watched lately, but I doubt anybody on the campaign trail is talking about world peace. Is that even a subject anymore? Do you know that as they've been tracking world treaties, that there have been over 8,000 peace treaties? And do you know some of them last? Do you know most of them don't? Because it's people trying to come up with a sense of peace or people surrendering and they have to cause peace. But Jesus' peace is not that. It's not a campaign slogan. He brought peace to earth. That's what I want to look at. He brought this peace that the Bible says surpasses all human understanding. The ruler who brings wholeness. All right, well, let's, let me just uh, rattle through a few things about Jesus, this man of peace. Ready? At birth, he's got such a peaceful life because at two years of age, Herod wants to kill him. That's not a peaceful life, is it? Who wants to do anything to a two-year-old? Two years of age, Herod wants to have him dead. But when he's 30 years of age, the devil is going to tempt him for 40 days and 40 nights. And, you know, when you read the first temptation was, you know, are you guys hungry after 40 days and 40 nights? Are you, are you hungry after four hours? Okay, 40 days and 40 nights. And the very first temptation the devil says was, hey, if you're the Lord, turn these stones to bread. Do you know that physically eating something after that long of a period of time, some people could die of ingesting something. Uh, Jesus didn't fall for that trap at all. Jesus didn't lose his peace in the midst of temptation after 40 days and 40 nights of eating nothing. His first sermon, right? They're ready to throw him off a cliff. Can you imagine that? Your first sermon, and some guy's going to meet you at the car, and he's going to kill you. That was the worst thing I ever heard in my life. That first sermon, they want to throw him off a cliff. In just his three and a half years of ministry, over and over again, the religious Jewish leaders were trying to trap him in what he said so that they could arrest and kill him. That was their plan, was to kill him. Every word that he said... They were hanging on to to try to trap him. He's in the middle of a storm, and the sea couldn't kill him. In fact, what, you, what word did he use to calm the sea? He said, peace, be still. He had a good friend that died. And after four days, though he rose from the dead, Jesus was still at 
peace. He went to the madman of Gadara, which the Bible said had a legion of demons in him. Nobody could stop him. They chained him. The guy was a wild man. But Jesus went over to confront him and drove out all of the demons because Jesus is a man of peace. He even hung on a cross and heard every ugly word thrown back at him. And that would have been the time that, you know, if we read that Jesus just threw out one insult, we would have probably been okay with it, right? He didn't say a thing. You know, what did he do on the cross? He prayed. Even in the hardest opportunities. And yet he would be the one that would say, it is finished. The prince of peace that brought peace to this world. So let me read just a few verses here. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. As I mentioned that last part, it says, Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Now listen to what he says. No one takes it from me. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. It is finished was said after everything that he needed to make sure was fulfilled. He finally said, it is finished. He emptied himself. Even when they came back through to break his legs, because part of the crucifixion was people would stand up to breathe and they would break your legs so that you couldn't stand up and you'd suffocate. He had already died, which fulfilled a prophecy that his bones would not be broken. Matthew chapter 26, verse 52 through 54, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to him, in fact, this is Peter, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you not think that I can now pray to my father and he would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How can then the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? You know, I, I always love this story because Peter comes to the prayer meeting and he's packing the heat, right? Oh, we're going to have prayer meeting? Great. Hold on. I got to go get the sword. And that's That's Peter. And here's what Jesus says, put that sword away. What did Peter do? When they came to arrest Jesus, he took the sword and he cut the ear off of the high priest's servant, right? Chopped his ear right off. Jesus said, put that away. Don't you think that I could call on my father and he would send down 12 legions of angels? Jesus said, you know, if I wanted to take care of it, I could take care of it. But the scriptures have to be fulfilled. Even in Matthew chapter 27, verse 13 and 14, to Pontius Pilate, Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word. So that the governor, what does it say? Marveled greatly. What do we want to do when people accuse us of something? We want to right the wrong. We want to tell the correct part of the story. We want to set the record straight. Jesus didn't say a word. Well, let's think of that. Why didn't he say a word? He was at peace knowing exactly what he was doing. Why did he get on Peter for swinging the sword in the garden? Because he was at peace knowing the scripture would be fulfilled. 
Why did he say it is finished at the right time? He had peace knowing that he fulfilled everything that the Father had asked him to do. This peace is indescribable for us to put in words. But it's promised to us in the Bible that it's ours. Think about that. It's promised that it's ours. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes this, and by him, talking about Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. His emptying his life, the blood on the cross. In fact, Romans is the one that lets us know that we were enemies against God. But because of Jesus' blood and shedding that blood and dying on the cross, in fact, he writes it so good in there, he's made peace with us through his blood. Shouldn't it be the opposite? Shouldn't I be the one bleeding for him? And he says, I know, I, I did it for your peace, to bring peace to you. Over and over, you know, we could keep reading on. I believe there was over 420 times in the Bible that it says peace. Peace. Why is that? Because many times we forget the peace that's promised to us, and even Isaiah prophesied it. He's the Prince of Peace. Two more. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace, I leave with you. My peace... I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Notice what he says, not as the world gives. You know, it's easy to have peace thinking, I'm going to go out to my car and I have gasoline in my car. Right? Is that peace? Uh, it's easy to think I have peace because I know that I have $100 in my checking account. Is that, is that real peace? I have peace thinking I'm going to have a gift under the Christmas tree with my name on it. Is that bring peace? Is that the peace that Jesus wanted to bring? No, any situation he wants to bring his peace in on. That's why I asked you at the beginning, what in your life do you need even today for him to show up as the Prince of Peace? John chapter 20, verse 19, the last part, when all of the disciples, the apostles, are huddled and scared and hiding and when one of them's talked about, I'm not going to believe unless I take my finger and stick it in his hands and touch, put my hand in his side. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace be to you. In the middle of trouble, in the middle of uncertain times, in the middle of questioning probably everything, in the middle of somebody's doubting who he was, he said, peace be with you. So he brings peace to the troubled, the worried, the directionless, the huddled up. Jesus brings peace. I was reading this, uh, I think it's a funny story. There was a man who could not go to sleep at night. And it was 3 a.m. and he was pacing the floors. And his wife finally was so annoyed that she woke up and she said to him, what on earth is the matter with you? And he said, I owe Sam, not this Sam, I owe Sam, our neighbor, $1,000. I have to pay him by tomorrow. 
His wife got up. He says, what are you going to do? She jumped out of bed. She threw open the window and she started yelling, Sam, Sam, Sam. Sam got up and opened the window, tried to wake up. And he says, what is it? Everything okay? And she says, you know, a thousand dollars my husband owes you and he's supposed to pay you tomorrow. And he said, yes. Well, he doesn't have any money. And she shut the window and she turned to her husband and said these words, now you let him worry about it and go back to bed. <laughs> you let him worry about it. Go back to bed. We're told in the scripture, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Yeah, I was reading a couple stats. I thought this was interesting, and it wasn't in every case, but when we see these massive hurricanes that form, you know, here in California, we're unaffected, but the people on the, you know, East Coast in Florida, we, we've seen these things. 25 to 30 feet under the surface of the water, most of the time, the waters are calm. The fish go on living their lives totally unaware that 25 or 30 feet above, there is tremendous wind and waves and things shaking all about. When there's depth in the water, the waters are calm. I thought about that. When there's depth in our life, there's peace. We don't get as rattled as we used to get. There's depth. That's why we are always growing in the Lord to allow the peace of God to surpass. In fact, I love as the Bible says, it guards the heart and mind. It guards, it protects. You know, this Christmas time, if there's anything that reminds us about anything, my prayer today is that you experience the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and the everlasting father. Don't forget the last part, the Prince of Peace. You know, there's one other verse. I won't take too long. I, it's always an interesting. It's Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Jesus says these words, right? We're talking about peace, the Prince of Peace. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And you read that and you think, wait a minute here. He just told Peter to put the sword away. No, if you read on, what he's talking about is the disciple. In fact, he uses that word. He says, if you want to follow me, you're going to need to pick up your cross and do so. He says, I, I've come to put you against mother and father and brother and sister because when I come, isn't it sad today that we see it? When I come that people will try to do whatever to stop the name of Jesus, to stop the reading of the Bible, to stop, stop the Christian values that we're told to do. But remember that there is peace in nations today because some nations have big swords. America's got a big sword. And there's nations that won't mess with us. We put the sword away and they mess with us. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, Jesus is letting us know that true life and freedom is only found in him. Only found in him. If we pick up the cross and we follow him daily. In fact, the interesting thing when we read about a sword, especially in the Bible, is we can't forget Ephesians lets us know that there's a sword 
of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, you know what it does to these hearts and souls? It pierces them. It impacts them. It speaks life to our hearts. So bow your heads if you would with me today. And let me mention two things as we close. One, in your life, and maybe it's multiple, but would you bring today to Jesus the very thing that's not giving you peace? Maybe you're making a job change. Maybe you're moving. Maybe there's things happening in your, your family. Maybe there's things happening physically in your body. So, Father, we come today and we actually bring this to you, the Prince of Peace, the ruler that brings wholeness, the one that brings us wisdom because you're the wonderful counselor, the mighty God over every circumstance and the everlasting Father that always has his eye on us. Father, we do what the scripture says. We cast the care, the fear, the worry, the anxiety on you because you care for us. We take upon ourselves your life, your love, your peace. Teach us how to walk in your peace. That we can be in the middle of a storm. We can be faced with a crazy man with 2,000 demons and have such peace knowing you're with us. And lastly, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You know, today we see him in the scripture that of all that was thrown at him in three and a half years, he continued to minister out of the love and the heart of God, the word of God and the peace of God. And it's a free gift to all of us because he laid down his life. So let's all pray this prayer. In fact, I'd like you to repeat after me, all of us. But if you're saying this for the very first time, or maybe this is even a day where we would say you're going to rededicate your life back, would you allow it to be today, December 22nd, that you make that decision that's so important because it's not a decision of a it's a decision of all eternity. Say this after me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived and that he died for me. But he rose again. I confess him as my Lord and as my Savior. Come into my heart. Thank you for bringing me into your family. And thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close with joy to the world.